I'm the next-gen pastor here at Mercy Road, and I'm thrilled to be here talking about this year of worship. And last week, as Josh was talking, and a few weeks before, he came to me, and he says, Hey, Trevor, would you like to speak Sunday morning? And I was like, well, of course. Of course, Pastor Josh, when we we'll speak on Sunday morning, we have middle school, 1015, and high school at, at, uh, at 1015 as well. And he's like, no, 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 no. I mean, in, in big boy service, in big boy service at 1130, and I immediately was like, my eyes just got a little bit wider, right? I was like, oh, man, all right. Well, we, we talked to students. Now it's time to talk to the parents. My palms started to get, like, a little sweaty, and I was like, all right, Josh, don't, don't shake my hand. I'll put it in my pocket, dry it off a little bit, whatever it might be. Don't give me a bro hug or anything. But, but in all honesty, no, I'm super excited to be here with you guys this morning and sharing more about this, this year of worship, this lifestyle of worship. And when we were talking about it and hearing Josh speak on it last week, the first thing that I wanted to know was like, what is worship, right? What is worship? And I think the first thing that we're all used to in our culture today and just how, how we talk about things, we talk about worship being music, right? Singing songs and praises to our king, right? We think of worship as, I'm going to sing to him and lift our hands, all this stuff. I'm going to sing praises to God. But worship, worship is so much more than just, than just a song or two on Sunday. Worship is so much more than just lifting our hands and saying, God, you are king. Like, that is so good. We need that. But worship is more than just singing songs, right? Worship, definition of worship that, I, that I've been finding and using is worship is an expression of our reverence or devotion or adoration or love, right? Worship is an expression of all of that towards God. God wants that. He wants us to praise him. He wants us to, to sing songs about him. But it's more than just that. It's an expression. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's constantly moving forward in who he says he is and who he says that we are through Jesus, right? Worship is an expression of our adoration, our love, towards him. And just a couple Sundays ago, we had, we had a, a worship night here with, with our youth. Um, we call it Summit. And we had a guy come in here, Monte King, and he was leading us in some songs of worship. And during that, he had, he had a transition where he was talking about, talking about worship. And it was just really cool how he did that, how it matched the whole flow of, of Mercy Road and how we're talking about this year of worship. And what Monte was saying is like, he was talking to our students, right? They're all up here bouncing around, being crazy, all the, the, the good things that us, us teens like to do, right? And he was just like, worship is more than just singing songs right here. It's like, worship is so much more than that. He's like, when you're out there and you're playing gaga ball or octa ball or, or you're hitting your friend in the face or you're, you're putting pie in the, in the air, all those weird things that students might be doing, right? He's like, all of that in Jesus' name is worship. Worship is an expression. It's a lifestyle. We see, we see athletes. We're going to see athletes today even at nine or ten o'clock tonight, however long, long the game goes, we're going to see people worshiping, right? We're going to see people on the field. We're going to see pro athletes on the field going, lifting a finger to God and, and praying before the game saying, God, I give you this game. I give you my abilities. I give you my talents. Worship is more than just our songs. Like for some people like myself, can't sing, right? Can't sing. Love to be able to sing. Not going to happen. Not, don't ask me. It's not going to happen. Not going to do it. But we have other talents, other skills and abilities that God has given us that we can give back to him. And for these people that we're going to watch tonight on the big screen, the big game, all this stuff, we're going to see them praying before the game because that is their way of expressing their love and their devotion to God. Worship is more than just a Sunday. It's a lifestyle. And so I want to walk through that a little bit today. Before we do that, I want to look at one thing that Jesus tells us in John chapter 4. 
Jesus tells us that a time is coming and has now come. A time is coming and has now come where true worshipers will worship the Spirit and the Father. True worshipers will worship in truth and in grace and in humility. They will worship Jesus. They will worship the Father in all of this trueness. So we're going to try and define more of this, this true worship. We see this, okay, true worshipers, right? Yet a time is coming and it's now coming. We're true worshipers. What is true worship? So we're going to take a look in Scripture where I see one of the, the rawest, in my opinion, one of the rawest forms of worship in Scripture. We see this woman that comes to Jesus' feet. And we might have heard the story, this woman that's coming to the feet of Jesus and she's giving him all that she has, everything that she has to try and show him her love and her devotion toward Jesus. So we're going to be in the book of Luke today. Book of Luke, if you have your Bibles or whatever you want to use to, to engage with the word of the Lord, today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And this is a snapshot of where Jesus now kind of switches that role where he's always serving, right? He's starting, he's kicking off his ministry. But Jesus serving people and giving people and teaching people, this is a moment in Jesus' life where we can see that role is reversed. He's not serving but being served by this woman. So let's tune in. This is a scripture. This is the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Heavenly Father, we welcome you here today. We acknowledge that you are here and we simply want to worship you, Jesus. We simply want to engage in your word, Jesus, and we want to engage in who you are. So we welcome you in this room, have this room, open our hearts, open our minds to, to receive more of, of what it is you have for us today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. As we talk about worship, I think it's important to know a little bit of my perspective, my lens of worship, where I came from. And a lot of us, a lot of us in this room might have heard a previous message that, that Pastor Kathy and I, I spoke together, but I didn't grow up in, in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in, in a morally sound home, right? We had good morals, and my mom was like, you better do your stuff, otherwise come after you, right? But I lived in a, in a good home, but it wasn't a Christian home, and I did a lot of things to try to stay out of trouble. My, my idea of, of doing good was all wrapped up in sports, all wrapped up in sports, and so I did everything I could to do my best at it, to train, to be, to be good, because that was going to be my way of, of going to college, of being successful. I was like, it's going to be sports, right? And it wasn't until going into my, my junior year, 
It wasn't until going into my junior year that summer where one of my friends started inviting me to church. And was like, hey, you got to come to church. This is going to be great. And I'm like, no, man, no, I'm not coming to church. I'm not doing it. It's not for me. I'm good. I'm doing my life. I'm fine. And he's like, you got to come. It's going to be great. And so he kept inviting me, kept inviting me. And I was getting annoyed, to be honest. I was like, no, man, no means no. We learned that. No means no. I'm not going to church. This is good. I'm fine. And then he's like, well, we're having a beach day. And I was like, okay, all right. Now we're getting somewhere. I'll go to the beach. Okay. This is great. I like this. So he's like, come out to the beach. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start going to the beach. But before I could go to the beach, he said, before you can come to our beach day, you got to come to youth group Wednesday night, at least twice. And I was like, oh, man. All right. Well, okay. I'll come to youth group, check it out, and then I'll just go have fun at the beach. And we'll, we'll do my thing, and I'll get you off my back so you can stop, stop bothering me a little bit. So I go to youth group, and I'm, I'm going, and I'm hearing the message about God. They're singing songs of praise, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm attending, and I'm hearing it, but I'm not, I'm not listening. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to attend, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear it, but I'm not listening. And I think for a lot of us, we attend, right, and we hear it, but we don't want to listen. We attend God, we hear God, but we don't want to listen to God. Because once we start listening to God, whoo, boy, things start shaking up and start getting interesting, right? So I was attending, and I was hearing, but I wasn't listening to God. I didn't want God. I wasn't going to church for God. I wasn't going for him. I was going for his creation. It's like, yes, God, you are good. We see that. I was going for his creation, but it was so interesting. I started, I started attending more, and he started meeting me more right where I was at in all of my sin and in all of my shame. And I started to ask kind of these logical questions, and this was like my initial, my initial moving forward with God when I was, I was 16. I was like, I started thinking of my mom, and I was like, well, my mom, she's got a mom, right? Her mom, she's got a mom, my great-grandmother, and she's got to have a mom because they all got to come from somewhere. So I was like, where did this all begin? I was like, there's got to be a starting point. This was my 16-year-old my logic kind of moving forward in this pursuit of, of who God was. And so it's like somebody had to start this somewhere. So, okay, if that's God, all right, that's God. I, I understand. We'll go with that. And so I started going, going to church more and more, going to youth group, and then they invited me to, to summer camp. And I was like, okay. So this girl I met at the beach, super great, she's amazing, she invited me to summer camp. And I was like, okay, all right, a week away from parents, I'm going to summer camp. This is going to be awesome. Out in the mountains in Tennessee, man, this is going to be good. Horses, I grew up on a farm, so it's like, boom, this is going to be great. It's like, this is awesome. Perfect scenario, win-win for all of us. And so I go to this camp, and in the midst of this camp, we're sitting, man, this is just, we're sitting in this, in this session, we called it chapel, sitting in this and people were just raising their hands. And I was like, what is going on? They're raising their hands, and they're simply surrendered to God. I was like, why are people raising their hands? What does that mean? Why are people crying over this song that they're singing right now? Like, they're singing to Jesus. I get it, but what is going on here? I had no clue what was going on. I was so captivated. I was so interested. I had all these questions going through my mind. I started to think more and more about who Jesus was as the pastor was preaching. I started to think more and more about what he did for us. And it started to become more and more real for me. And, I, and, and, and in my logic, I had to relate it to, to Santa Claus. I really did. I was like, Santa Claus, right? I have this question about Santa Claus. I'm like, Santa, how in the world? We'll never know. Santa, how do you do this? You go to everybody's house in one night. Santa, how do you do it? That is incredible. I'm blown away. We'll never know how Santa does it. He's, he's a, a mastermind. And started to think about Jesus kind of in the same way, right? Kind of in the same way. You're thinking, how? I'm like, oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I think of Jesus in the same way. It's like, how does one man, how does one man in one moment 
create a pathway for all of us to now step into life and to step into freedom and to step into victory and joy. How in the world does that happen? And as I was sitting there in my chair watching everybody worship and do all these things, I was like, this one man got sin and shame destroyed for all of us. And I'm thinking about my sin and my shame at 16 years old. I was like, I don't want anybody to know my sin and my shame. I'm going to put my blinders on. I'm going to get in the driver's seat and just go and forget about my sin and my shame, leave it behind. I was like, I wouldn't want to give that to anybody else. It's gross. It's dirty. Nobody wants sin and shame. Why does he do this? And I started thinking about my sin and my shame. And I started thinking about my, my family's sin, my family's shame. It's like, he takes that too? And I started thinking about my friends, their sin and their shame. I was like, he takes that too? I was thinking about my whole school. My whole school is like, he takes their sin and their shame as well. Think about my city. And then think about my county and my state and then the country. And this is just how my logic started working. It's like, one man, there's got to be some power in that name. And in that moment, I started to think more and more about who Jesus was. And I started to surrender a little bit more to who he was and what scripture says that he is. And so after camp, after my mind is now just blown away by the majesty of Jesus, I was like, I got to get into this. I got to get into this good book. I got to get into this book called Scripture where there's a bunch of little different books going on. I was like, I have no clue what's going on in this book. So much. There's books on books on books in here. We got a, a Matthew. We got a, a Mark, a Luke, a John, a James, a Timothy. We got all kinds of people in here. I was like, well, I'll just pick kind of the, the weirdest name that I could find. I'll, this guy named Job. I'll just see what he has for my life. Maybe he's got a prophecy on, on my life. He's going to give me a job in my life. But that's seriously what I was thinking in 16. I was like, oh, maybe there's a book. Maybe it's all about, about jobs. I don't know. And I was like, oh, it's Job. Okay, well, we'll read Job. And it was in the middle of Job. The middle of Job, we start seeing his life, how he has blessing and how he's, he's been lifted up and he's praising God and all the goodness, right? And then all of a sudden, some bad things start happening. He starts getting discouraged and discouraged, and his friends come along, and then, and then Job starts cursing God. He said, I had all these good things, and now God takes it away from me. And his friends are like, dude, you got to stop. you got to get your head right. you got to think about who God is and all the good things that he's done for us in our lives. And Job, he just, he just can't, can't get his mind in, in that perspective. And I love Job. The later chapters in Job, I love. It was my favorite. Because Jesus... Jesus enters the scene. Holy Spirit enters the scene. God is now present with Job, right? And we see kind of this, this subtle flex that God's just coming in, kind of struggling. We see Jesus in the New Testament where he's like probably coming in suave, confident, right, but doing his thing. In this moment, it's just like bodybuilder Jesus coming in and saying, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Job's cursing God. And he's saying all these things. And God's just kind of showing off a little bit. I love it. Because I think we need to realize more and more about who God is, the power that he has. When I was reading this, I had Job in mind. I went through a lot of trials. I went through a lot of different things in my life. And I had Job in mind for me. And I was like, where is God in the midst of all this? And he says, you can't see, but I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. And he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Do you see when the mountain goat gives birth? Do you know how many stars are in the sky? Do you know how many drops of water are in the oceans? He says, I do. And I started to see more and more of the majesty of who God is in all of his creation. 
And I look in the Gospels and I see the majesty of Jesus and what he did for us on that cross. And I started to get blown away by what he did for us, the love that Jesus has for us, the love that is demonstrated for us. We were created to worship God. We weren't created for each other. We weren't created to work in the fields. We were created to worship God. You were created to worship God. We were designed. We were intended. Our purpose is to worship God. And in my moment, when I was sitting in my shame and I was sitting in my guilt, I looked to this woman. I looked to this woman in Luke and how she comes before Jesus. And she's just weeping, weeping at the feet of Jesus. Giving all that she has. One, this would have been a complete, complete risk for her in her life. Complete risk for her. She was known as a sinner, this woman. She was known as a sinner. The people knew her. The Pharisees knew her. All this, this, there was a small group of people that were gathered around Jesus. And they knew this woman. So for her to step into the presence of God, she was taking a huge risk. Because they would have been like, um, no, you got sin. Get out of here. For her to step into this was a huge risk. And then for her to give all that she had shows more of the surrender. This is an intimate and raw moment of worship that we get a glimpse of in Jesus' ministry. And in this, in this story, there's three things that I want us to take away. Three things I want us to take away from this. She demonstrates what worship is more than just a song. She demonstrates what worship is in an expression of all that we are. First thing is worship is a surrender. Worship is a surrender. True worship just, it draws out. It just elicits surrender. It moves a surrender. It just, it just prompts surrender. We can't help but to do more and more of this, this posture of saying, God, more of you and less of me. She's at the feet of Jesus, and she's getting down on her knees and saying, all of you is all that I want. I've been messing up my whole life doing all the things that I wanted to do, and she's down at the feet of Jesus, and she's weeping, weeping one at, one at two things of her life, weeping because she knows she's been in the wrong, weeping too because she sees the honor and the glory and the majesty of who Jesus is. She heard about Jesus coming to town. She hadn't experienced him before, but she hears about who he is and what he did for us and what he can do for us, and she is weeping at this moment. Worship, when we step into a posture of worship, it just elicits surrender. We can't help but, but to raise our hands and surrender to Jesus. And for me in my life, when I started to surrender to Jesus, I was blown away. I had no clue what it meant. I saw those people raising their hands at camp. I was like, what are they doing? I started to think of the word surrender. Logical thing again. Thinking about surrender, what does surrender mean? I think of battle. Think of, of a war or a fight or a struggle. Simply because I have four brothers. We fought and we struggled a lot together, right? We, we had a, a, lot of, a lot of crazy stories. Four boys in the house. I, Mom, I love you. I don't know how you did it, but it's, it's phenomenal. And we fought all the time. And what happened was we would just we would say, nope, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I give it up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I surrender. And the same thing happens here. When we surrender to God, our hands go up. Because when we're fighting, when we're struggling against something, and we realize we can't go anymore, we're trying to do things on our own, we see God's will, and it's like, nope, God, I'm going this way, and it's not working, and we can't make it, we're stuck, we're at this boundary, we can't go any further, our hands simply go up saying, God, I, I am so sorry. 
for trying to do this on my own. I am so sorry. I can't do it on my own. Our hands go up and surrender to his will, to who he is. Surrender is a posture of lowering ourselves, saying, God, I need you more than anything. And for me, all I wanted was God. I was fighting against him. I couldn't find a way to go throughout life anymore without searching for him. My friends were asking me, Trevor, what is going on? You're changing completely. And I'm like, yes, exactly. This is awesome. you got to step into this. Surrender to Jesus is one of the most beautiful things to do, but it's one of the hardest things to do because we don't want to surrender. We don't want to give up. We don't want to submit to anybody. We want to be strong, planted, saying, I got this. And Jesus has, has this simple way of, of nudging us and saying, it's okay. Come into my arms. I got you. Worship elicits surrender. The second thing, second thing is worship, worship brings about an alignment. It desires an alignment. True worship brings forth alignment of our hearts. And when I say that, our hearts, I mean our hearts literally start to merge with our Father's heart, with God's heart. And this is the one where, where we really start to, start to say, I, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. Because this is where the pain brings in. We can surrender and say, God, I'm done. I give this to you. But then once our hearts start to change towards his, that's when things start to hurt a little bit. We're saying, I, I'm used to this. This is my habit. I've done this my whole life, or I like this. I'm used to this. And when God says, uh, no more, step into this new life with me, like, this is uncomfortable. I don't understand it. I'm not used to it. This is where that pain starts to come through. And Jesus doesn't ask for just a piece of our heart. He asks for all of our heart. And the big thing for me was reading the scripture and saying that Jesus wants every corner of our heart, every corner of it. And we try to hide things in the, in, the, in the back corner of our hearts. It's like, all right, I'm going to take this little, piece, this little, this little bit of, of shame, this little bit of guilt. I'm going to take this little bit, and I'm just going to hide it away so nobody can see it. And Jesus, that's the one he starts to pick at. That's the one he starts saying, nope, that one right there, I want that. Give it over. It's okay. I love you. When we worship, we're now aligned with Jesus. We're forced now to align our hearts with God. And it starts with that surrender. Surrender moves to alignment of our hearts. And now when we align our hearts with God, we can't help but move. Worship causes movement. When I gave my life to the Lord, when we see this woman now seeing who Jesus is, aligning her heart with him, we can't help but move. We can't help but take a step into his presence. We can't help but take a step into sharing that with other people. I left camp when I gave my life to the Lord. And I'm saying, guys, you got to know about my friend Jesus. And like, you're crazy. Go away. We don't know. No, go away. They're doing the same thing I did. And now I'm doing the same thing that my friend did because it's a common trend. When we step into a lifestyle of worship, we can't help but express it and share it with everybody. And expression comes through sharing it with other people, but also comes through expressing that back to God. Worship causing a movement draws that movement back towards God. This woman at the well, she couldn't help but run to the feet of him. She couldn't help but run and give all that she had to Jesus. This alabaster jar of perfume was probably the most expensive thing she'd ever had. The Pharisees were like, why in the world is, is, are you giving this 
and breaking it over the feet of Jesus. Like, we could save this. We could do whatever. We could do so many more things with this. Why are you doing this? And Jesus says, no, this is true worship. This is what I'm searching for. This is what I'm seeking for. This woman gave all that she had, every ounce of expression that she could give to the tears of her eyes. We talk about giving our all in things, blood, sweat, and tears. She's literally giving all that she has to the feet of Jesus because she sees the glory and the majesty of who he is. Worship elicits surrender to him. Worship then causes alignment and then it forces us to move closer to him. And so we think about worship, there's a right thing and there's a wrong thing. There's a right thing and there's a wrong thing. What I mean by that is we can do all the right things. We can surrender, we can align, and we can move and it could be the, the perfect and right worship and the very wrong God. I had a lot of lowercase, lowercase gods in my life, and the biggest one was track. I loved track. Loved it. It was my life from seventh grade to I graduated and then tried to run in college. It was my life. I lived and breathed. My identity was in track. Everything that I was working for was, was for track. I wanted to be the best that I could be. All I wanted to do was, was serve my coach and do everything track. It's what I ate, year-round, training, everything was track, was running. My whole identity and purpose from seventh grade to 12th grade was track. Everything I did, I lived and breathed track. It was the right thing. I surrendered to it. I said, yep, whatever, whatever this causes or whatever this needs from me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I need to align myself. I was like, yes, I need to get in shape. I need to train. I need to do all these things. Give my whole heart over to it. I'm going to do that. Track. Track is, is, track is my God right now. And then I needed to move. Of course, track causes us to run. When you get in a race, you have to run. You have to jump. You have to throw all these things. I was now moving. It was the right worship. But it was the wrong God. And I found myself lacking, found myself searching for something more. Found myself wanting a little bit more in life. I was like, what is the purpose? I got hurt, hurt my leg. And I forced to ask myself the question, I was like, who am I now without track? Like, I might not be able to run. I'm definitely not going to run the rest of my life. Who am I without this lowercase God, without this idol in my life? I had this, this right idea of worship in the wrong God. In the moment that I saw the true God, my whole life had changed. And I had this practice of surrender, of alignment, of movement. And when it shifted on to God, my whole life now began to change. I found more joy, more peace, more happiness, more movement. Life just started to get better and better with Jesus. Of course, there's bumpy roads. Of course, there's hard times. But my life was better and better with Jesus because we were designed to worship. We were designed to worship. Psalm 96, Psalm 96 gives us the, the ideas of how to worship God. Psalm 96 tells us to sing to the Lord a new song. Tells us to sing to the Lord all the earth. Tells us to praise his name. Psalm 100, I love that. Enter the, courts with thank, enter the courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. Shout to the Lord all the earth, right? All these things that we love. We hear these things in the Psalms about how to now move in worship. 
How do we do this? Simple one, we lift our hands, right? We lift our hands and surrender. You might have saw other people in this room doing it when we were singing worship, right? We, we lift our hands and surrender saying, God, you are my king. You are my God. And there's one thing that I think about with our hands raised high that's different with surrender and that's it's very similar with hands raised high. And this is it. When we raise our hands, we, do, we raise our hands for two reasons. The first one, we raise our hands saying, God, I give my life to you. We have that one checked. But the second one that I want to drive home, that I want us to leave this place thinking about, is we raise our hands not only in surrender, but in victory. When we step into a life with Jesus Christ, when we step into a life into his will, into his purpose, we're saying, God, I give you my heart. I surrender my all to you. I'm aligning my heart to be more of who you want me to be. And I'm living my life out now more for you. We raise our hands saying, God, I give you my life. We also raise our hands saying, God, you are my king. You are my God. And we get to stand in victory saying, I don't have to worry about the sin and the shame of my life before because I'm stepping into a lifestyle of freedom. I'm stepping into a lifestyle of grace. I'm stepping into a lifestyle of forgiveness, of joy, of happiness. We have freedom in Jesus' name. We raise our hands and surrender, but we also raise our hands in victory saying, God, you are king. Surrender is possible because God is our fortress. Surrender is possible because God is our refugee in times of troubles when we're afraid. Alignment is possible because he is our redeemer. Alignment is possible because he is our savior. We get to step into this because of what he did on the cross for us. Because the Holy Spirit is our guide, is our helper, is our leader. And we get to move in the freedom because of Jesus Christ on that cross. We get to dance before him. And Revelation tells us that we're all going to step into this moment in heaven when we're realigned with Jesus. And we're face to face with God. And of course, the first thing, we might bow in reverence at his feet. And we'll be like this woman where we're, we're giving all that we have and crying at his feet, but we're also then going to stand in victory saying, God, I love you. I give you my life. And I stand now with you, and this is the best thing that I could have ever asked for. Stepping into a lifestyle of worship is more than just a song. It's more than just a couple hours on Sunday morning. It's everything. Just as track was for me, it's training, it's racing, it's getting that endurance built up. A lifestyle of worship means that we now take everything that we have, everything that we can do when we give it to the Lord. We're saying, God, I give you all of this. I give you every ounce of who I am. My blood, sweat, and my tears, I give to you, Jesus. Because this lifestyle of Jesus is so worth it. So wherever you are in this room, we might find ourselves and one of three aspects of, of surrender, of alignment, of movement. But we don't just get in one and then we're done. It's, it's, a, it's a routine. We surrender, we align, we move. We find out something new, now we surrender, we align, and we move. It's a constant rotation, a constant surrender to his will, to his Holy Spirit. It's never ending. As we engage in worship in this, in the, and we're wrapping up this service, 
How might 2020 look different for you with a lifestyle of worship? We're already a month into 2020. It's February. How can we now move forward with a lifestyle of worship, a year of worship, with God at the center saying, I give you all that I am. I give you all that I have. Jesus, you are king. And I stand now in surrender, and now I step into victory. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you did on the cross for us. And we declare, Lord, we declare your majesty. And we step into freedom. And in this moment, God, we welcome you here. We welcome you here now, Lord, into our hearts. We want to sing praises to you. We want to give all that we have to you because you, Lord, are worthy. You, Lord, are worthy of it all, of our praises, of our comments, of our actions. God, you are worthy of it all, and we step into that now. Help us to live out a lifestyle of worship with you. Help us to live out a daily surrender into your spirit, into who you are with us, Lord. As we step into worship now, Lord, we ask that you align our hearts and help us to move and step into freedom into your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said.